Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. For small businesses and large conglomerates alike, the human resources or personnel function can be helpful for much more than simply processing payroll or handling the open enrollment season once a year. Human resources plays an essential role in developing a company's strategy as well as handling the employee-centered activities of an organization. Consider this. CEO-level research from the Conference Board and Deloitte both show that human capital and talent are now the number one issues on the minds of CEOs. All research shows that businesses today are constrained by their own ability to hire and develop leaders, coupled with a growing lack of technical and professional skills in the market. So what's a company to do? My guest, Karen Jensen, founder and president of the Human Resource Connection, HRC, a company that has several human resource practitioners that combined have over 100 years of human resources and business experience. In 2010, Karen received the Human Resource Superstar Excellence Award through the Northern Nevada Human Resources Association. Welcome, Karen. Oh, thank you, Sherry. It's going to be an exciting morning sitting here talking about my favorite thing, people. Awesome. Yep. (laughs) Well, you and I go a long way back, so I'm glad you're here with me today. But let's talk about the human resources function in general and why some are claiming that the traditional HR department stifles innovation and bogs down businesses with inefficient policies and processes. I'm sure you have counterpoint to that point. I have a counterpoint. (laughs) Let's start with this. If we were to uh, purchase a house, we're going to go get a house, would we um, not consider how many rooms we needed in the house, what kind of kitchen we want, do we want a yard, how big does it need to be, where it's located, what are the schools, would we ever consider purchasing a house without really considering what we needed? No. No. So what I would tell you is that folks, companies, unfortunately, yes, they do not like the processes and the procedures and the planning, but you can't build a company without assessing and having things in place to have a proper foundation or you're not going to be able to run your company correctly, period. So it is an argument all the time. I have people say to me, I hate human resources, Karen. I hate it. Well, well, that means you must hate people. (laughs) No, they they don't hate their people. They hate the rules. They hate the process. They hate the procedure. But if you don't have a foundation, you can't have a company that's going to be profitable, period. Well, well, not only that. I mean, beyond the policies and procedures and handbooks and all the technical side of what does it take to really ensure that your people, your human capital Mm -hmm. is, you know, being taken care of. I mean, certainly there's the legal side, which, you know, a huge part of what you understand that most businesses don't 
that most businesses don't understand is that every one of these policies and procedures usually was founded in some lawsuit Mm -hmm. because somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. And those those policies and those procedures allow you, my, my counterpoint is they allow you to take care of your people. Because if you have policies, procedures, and things in place, that builds trust. So I often say, you know, because people say, well, HR, you know, it's just paperwork. Um, you know, when you're mm-hmm. doing, like you said in your introduction, you know, it's the 401k loan, the open enrollment, and that kind of thing. Well, those are important things from the standpoint that how you handle that paperwork, I, I say paperwork's personal. How you handle that paperwork with your very well-functioning human resource department determines whether or not your employees are to have trust with you. And we all know that trust is a cornerstone of any relationship, and that includes a business relationship, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and so when you think about human resources in general, obviously, if I'm, you know, someone who started my business, wore all the hats in the beginning, and I'm excellent at whatever my function is in the company, I can guarantee that I am not exceptional at HR. Mm-hmm. I, I Very few business owners are right. because we get caught up in the day-to-day. We're doing what we know how to do best, yet we think that we're good in that department and we don't need people like you to be able to come in and really help us understand what is that role? What is that function? Why does it matter? And so what do you say to people that go, well, I know how to hire people and, and I'm great at firing people. You know, there's a whole block in between those two things, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that I say often from a liability perspective is you're either going to pay now, pay later, or you're going to pay more later. 25 years I've been doing this. And the people that say to me, I don't want to put that guy back in place. I don't want to follow this rule. I want to fire that person. I don't care. I'm so angry. I don't care. I'm going to fire him. They are paying later. And when they pay later, every single time, it's more. Right. It's always more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two, a lot of times what, what business owners say to me is not only do they know how to do it, they don't have time to do it better. And I say, you don't have time to not have time. I, I post that at least once on my Facebook You don't, a week. You don't have time to not have time. You don't have time to not have time to work with an employee who has a, a problem, a disciplinary issue or a performance issue because they're just going to hurt your bottom line. I can think, I can, I'm a business owner. I think bottom line, absolutely. You don't have time not address that. You don't have time to not have time to put together a well-polished recruiting procedure. You don't have time to not have time to say hello to your people on a daily basis. You don't have time to not have time to put a, together an employee recognition event to say, I appreciate all you guys do on a day-to-day basis because your people are making or breaking your company every hour they're there. Absolutely. This mm-hmm. is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Karen Jensen, founder and president of the Human Resource Connection. And, of course, we're talking about the HR function in general because, like you said, I love what you're saying. You don't have time to not do all of these things. And it's one of those areas where when you look at the time and the energy and the effort to create employee manuals, to build solid recruitment policies, to really understand what is the job or the job description that you want to fill, That's right. that... 
it's a lot easier to bring in an expert. I mean, your whole team, you got a hundred years of experience all coming together for me, the business owner. Absolutely, I don't have time to do it because I don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge, the technical knowledge of it. And you're going to make it a lot easier. So again, when you're talking to people and they're pushing that off, because guess what? That side of business doesn't make the cash register ring. That's right. You and I both know eventually it does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it, it, take, it can take out of the cash register. <laughs> really. Exactly. Right. 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 And so really helping people to understand that as you want to grow a very successful business, this has to be at some point in the strategic plan to really look at this whole area the HR area of your business and go, why don't we get it right from the start? Yes, ma'am. So many people come to me and they've been in business, I, I mean, for years, and they have no HR function, none. And yet the people, again, I keep saying it, it's people that are doing your business and it's like an afterthought. Again, going back to my house analogy, if you, if you just picked a house and then went afterwards went, oh, gee, I wish I was in a different neighborhood. I wish I had more rooms. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. And then, and then what you're doing is rebuilding your house, right? After the fact. Well, you tend to be then. I, I know this from personal experience. Mm-hmm. You become the fireman or the firewoman because all you're doing <laughs> is putting out the fires, yeah. right? Yeah. Because every single issue, mm-hmm. problem, mm-hmm. distraction, again, I always equate it to this is not making me any money, this whole area, mm-hmm. right? But yet it costs and it costs big time. So from that perspective and really people... You know, helping them understand that if you truly want to grow a successful business, this is one area within your organization that if you spend some time with someone like Karen Jensen of the Human Resource Connection, you're actually going to save me the time and the money and the headaches. And the headaches. I couldn't wait for you to say the headaches. <laughs> <laughs> and the sleepless nights. It's a start early thing. And it's it's really, if you start early, you know, it's that whole thing of planning. If you start early, this is not a big, scary deal, man. It's simple. Really simple. It's after the fact when it just becomes a nightmare to untangle what people have put together. And, you know, yeah, we're really good at that. You know, I often say HRC is like emergency physicians for for corporations. But honestly, I'd rather be a a well physician for corporations and say, you know, the the people that come to me early, I'm like, you rock. You're awesome. This is going to be so in three years and two years, you're going to say, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I put guidebooks, job descriptions, training, a compensation plan, a recruiting procedure, hiring process. I'm so glad I had all that because I've been so much more efficient and productive. And you can focus then. And I tell my business owners this, then you get to focus on the bottom line because you don't have to deal with the fire hose and headaches. Exactly. And and trust me, it is headaches. And And I can honestly state with conviction that I have spent hundreds of thousands, if not close to a million dollars doing it incorrectly. Because again, you're growing your business, things are coming. At one point I had 24 employees and all I felt like I was doing was going, I'm going to write a book about every single way not to get to work on time. Right? (laughs) 
because I, I have heard it all. Every single way that someone cannot get to work or show up to work or even when they're fully present at work. And so I really, I really felt I could write that novel. Yes. But again, having been hanging out with you for an extended period of time, I recognize there's a much easier way to do this. So Karen... I want to talk a little bit about the interviewing and hiring process, so stick with us. Okay. This is Todd Henry, author of The Accidental Creative. I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season and a prosperous new year. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Hello, I'm Andy Cassidy from Junk King, Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you call us, Junk King, Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully licensed and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. This is Diane Seek speaker, author, and mindfulness coach. I want to wish everyone listening to the Sherry Hill Show a happy holiday and a prosperous new year. You're interviewing applicants to fill a job position in your company. What are you looking for in these applicants? If you're like most owners or managers, you'll answer with terms such as hardworking, persistent, confident, and dependable. After all, how can you go wrong trying to hire people with traits such as these? Well, you can. The problem is that traits aren't necessarily good predictors of future job performance. My guest, Karen Jensen, founder and president of the Human Resource Connection, has been working in human resources for over 20 years. Her specialties include management training, recruitment and placement, employee relations, and legal compliance. A huge believer in education, Karen is also an instructor, facilitator, and program developer for University of Nevada, Reno Extended Studies. Well, welcome, Karen. All right. I'm excited. Let's keep going on this conversation. It's lively. (laughs) (laughs) So if my statement is correct that traits aren't very good for predicting future employee behavior, then what is it that you look for or what should managers use as a good indicator of who to hire? All right, well, I'm going to I'm going to start from the beginning, okay, of this process because I'm going to answer that question simple using utilizing behavioral based interviewing questions, but I want to back up. Okay, so it starts with conducting some sort of job analysis, which is simply just analyzing the job of what the person's going to be doing. Like you said, I feel like companies put their hands over the, their eyes and go, mm, I pick you. Perfect. 
I've seen it too much. Okay, I've so, done it. Yes, okay. I know. All right. And all then right. I say, and then you. There's the door. Why aren't okay. you working? Why isn't it working? I don't understand. Why isn't this person working in this job? So you have to analyze the job before you get people in front of you. Because if you don't know what you're looking for, just like the house, then you're not going to get a good candidate. So you do a job analysis, and then you write a comprehensive job description of what the person's going to be doing. I say job description, and people literally get physically ill. I see them because it feels so overwhelming. It doesn't have to be some, you know, 15-page novel. Write down the tasks that the person's going to be doing. So then when you start interviewing them, you can ask behavioral-based interviewing questions, which are questions about times in the past that they have done a particular task that you need them to do. So for example, if a person is in sales or they're, you know, front counter person, okay, I'll just take something simple that we're all familiar with, and a sales clerk. And so you might ask a person, tell me about a time, because it's the past, right? Because past behavior is indicative of future behavior. Tell me about a time you've had to deal with an irate customer. What did you do and how did you resolve the issue? What the behavioral-based interviewing question does is allows you to actually see how that person would handle that situation because of what they said in the past, yes? What they've done in the past. Novice interviewers, which, oh, by the way, when I teach my interviewing class at UNR, I ask every time, how many of you have ever taken a classroom, uh, you know, uh, formal interviewing class? No one, Ann. (laughs) Pretty much no one, Sherry. I'm just saying, no one. Yeah. Okay, and that's who we're getting. Okay. So, um, all right, now I lost my train of thought. Where was I with my train of thought there? Um, Past behavior questions. Right. So, oh, I don't want, so novice interviewers, those that haven't been trained, which was my point there, will ask hypothetical questions. How would you handle an irate customer? Okay, well, people don't know what they don't know. Okay, let me repeat that. People don't know what they don't know. So what they're going to do is answer how they think you want to hear it. Doesn't mean they can do it. Behavioral-based interviewing questions prove that either they do it the way you want them to do it or they don't. Okay? So you do your job analysis. You write your job description. You write a sexy ad. um, And you have an application. Every single person completes an employment application. That's a – that's a – can you imagine that that's a – did you have people complete employment applications? I did. Okay, well, you've got that one right. <laughs> and nine out of 10 people don't get that one right for some reason. Yeah. So you have everyone complete an employment application no matter what level in the company, okay? So once you have that employment application, you screen it. You're looking for red flags, um, some examples of red flags. Red flags are cautions, things that you go, hmm, I better ask about that. Obviously, convictions would be one, job hopping, um, reasons for leaving. Anything. You're allowed to ask. You know, If they say they were fired or they're going to tell you an interview, great. So tell me in this interview, why did you leave this company? You have every right to know that. So it's okay to probe. So, so, you, so you go through the employment application. If they're qualified, that's a screening, what I call a screening. If they're qualified, then you set them up with a first interview with either the supervisor, the manager, or HR, however you want to do it, but you have this next level. So this next level will talk, and that's, talk to this person, and that's when you use the behavioral-based interview questions that you have pre-written based on the job description that you need the person to do. Does hmm. that make sense? Yes. Okay. Okay. Question? Well, no. So understanding that 
it's important to have pre-written questions because what you're trying to figure out is exactly their behavior within the culture of your organization, That's right? That's right, right. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to, you're, you're making sure that what it is that you're seeking, the position that you need to be filled, you pre-write the questions based on the job description so that that person, hopefully the person you hire, has the right answers to these questions that were based on this job description, and thereby you have a lot better chance of having a better hire. Well, and you're more prepared. I mean, how many people go into an interview and they ask the typical questions and there's zero preparation moving into this because it's organic, it's like, I'm going to get whatever I'm going to get out of it. That's not your premise. My, my, my favorite questions that people, a couple questions that people ask, number one, this is not my favorite question, my favorite question from the standpoint that it makes me giggle. So tell me about yourself. Yes. Okay, so that creates, so everyone does it, and listeners out there, I know if you're doing it, that's fine. I hope this cures you of it. (laughs) Tell me about yourself proves that you're not prepared. Uh, It opens you up for liability. Because they don't know what you want. You, I was born in a small town. I have brothers six years older. I have two. What? what? Yes. So it opens right. you up for liability and um, tells you really nothing about the person. And uh, and second is people make these fun sort of interviewing questions like, tell me the steps you take in order to build a taco. Like these what? creative. <laughs> no, I know. I know. What? Okay. So anybody out there, if you have this fun question that you ask that's similar to that one, nix that too. Neither of those are going to give you what you need. Right. This okay. is this is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Karen Jensen, founder and president of the Human Resource Connection. All right. So we're prepared in our interview. Mm-hmm. We've, we've created some behavior-based questions. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the interviewing process. And really, this is designed not to hire this person on the spot. It's to move them through the process. The process. That's right. And in this process, it is key that you make people feel comfortable. Uh, Sometimes people say, well, I want to use a stress interview. And I really, well, they're already stressed People are so stressed. How much more stress could you get? You're trying to get a job so you can make money to feed your people. I mean, your your people, <laughs> your your people, well, whatever, your people, your kids, your family, whatever. How much more stress could you get? Really? Exactly. So making them feel comfortable is, is um, sort of a unique thought that a lot of folks don't really think about deeply enough. If they're comfortable, then they are much more likely to tell you the truth about everything you ask them about. I get, I have people tell me things. I'm like, I can't believe they just told me that. You know, like a red flag that mm, that's going to make them not qualified for this job. And good thing they told me. It's because I make it easy for them to talk to me. And that tell me about yourself, it's usually, this is another reason it's bad. It's usually at the beginning. And people are thinking the entire interview in the back of their head, I should have said this. I should have said that. What were they really looking for? And they're not even focused on your really awesome behavioral-based interviewing questions because they're stuck on the first one. Right. So super important in the process to make them to make them feel comfortable. And you want to take notes. And what I want to say about your notes is you're not writing your assumptions, your judgments, your conclusions, or your opinions about what they said. You're writing exactly what they said or you're paraphrasing what they said. So you're not writing your assumptions, your judgments, your conclusions, or your opinions 
That's what gets you sued. Because if you write, well, I think this person has an anger issue based on how they answered the sales clerk question, and um, uh, uh, maybe it's related to drugs and alcohol, or maybe they have some sort of mental disability, and you're jotting these notes down very innocently, and then they file a discrimination suit uh, against you, and you're on the stand, and they're saying, well, how did you know that? Are you a physician? Are you, a, are you, are you the counselor? Are you their mother? What, how do you know that? Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so simple acts can get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's wow, that yes. conclusions. And this really goes for all human, rela- rela- human resource-related uh, things that you write down. Do not ever, no matter what area of HR it's in, write assumptions, conclusions, judgments, or opinions. All right. Unless you can back them up. Right. Well, but the real message here is looking at the interview process Mm -hmm. as a process Mm -hmm. and doing your homework and being prepared. And when I mean doing your homework, it's really understanding what are those compelling behavioral questions Mm -hmm. that are going to get you to the result or the answers that are going to help you make a decision whether this person fits the job or not. Mm -hmm. Right? That's right. Yeah. And, you know, on that prepared issue, uh, you know, I, I love to say, do you want to show up in sweats or do you want to show up in a suit? And if I'm a good superstar A candidate, I'm assessing you, Sherry, as much as you're assessing me. And I'm deciding if your company and you as a manager are organized and efficient and trustworthy and, you know, capable. I'm assessing the whole time we're interviewing. It goes both ways. And if you do hire me, if I assess you and you offer me the job and you do hire me and it's been kind of bumpy, I often say how you start is how you go. So it affects your retention. So how we operate in this whole interviewing, recruiting process, and I get aboard, that affects me. You know, if I have a good start, I'm likely to keep going in a good way. If we had a bumpy start, you know, you were late for my interview, you weren't prepared, you didn't show up, you canceled, you said two people would be there, there was five people there, you said you were going to get back to me in a, in a week, it took a month. They're assessing all that. And, and you only have given me 10 minutes. Instead of a a real solid interview, which should be more in depth, Mm -hmm. if really the goal is as the owner or the manager or the supervisor to build the team. That's right. Build the team and keep the team. We're going to learn a little more about the human resource side of business. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is Jeff Hyman, your startup therapist based in Chicago, Illinois. And I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season and a very prosperous new year. Hello, I'm Andy from Junking Reno. Why would you call us instead of doing it yourself? There's lots of good reasons. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business, and we're fully licensed and bonded. And you don't have to wait in a long line at a landfill or transfer station. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Let us help you get ready for the holidays. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? 
Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trained specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. Hello, this is Marnie Swedler, your online mentor at Marnie.com. I want to wish all of the Sherry Hill Radio Show listeners a Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. We've been talking about what it takes to hire people, right? And so my guest, Karen Jensen, founder and president of the Human Resource Connection, HRC, as it's more commonly known, is a company based here in Reno, Nevada. And Karen's been in this industry for well over 20 years, really helping people understand how to deal with the whole people side of business, right? And so, Karen, I want to pick up, because we had a lot of solid information on our last segment about, you know, I asked you the question, how do you really find and interview the right people? And so, just in summary, we talked about, you know, you really have to assess the position, then you have to write, a, you know, a solid job description, then really coming into an interview prepared with behavior-based interview questions, and then we talked a little bit about, you know, what's going on inside the interview interview, but I know that there's more. So I've interviewed the individual. I decide that, you know, they're potentially a good candidate for round two, right? So let's talk about what that actually means. Okay. So round two. Sometimes folks forget that the people that are actually going to be reporting to that person, that's they need to be included in this process. So we don't want to just go human resources, the director, or human resources, and the owner. Uh, and your human resources can be your office manager, your office coordinator. You know, I'm just saying whoever's running your HR function. Only after they've gone through your training class. That's right. <laughs> okay. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which, oh, by the way, there's one at UNR. So, okay. yeah, they can look that up. Okay. So, um, all right. So, we have HR, and then the, the middle person, the supervisor, they need the training too. The supervisor and the manager, whoever that person is going to be reporting to, they need the say. They should be, in my opinion, the ultimate say of whether that person is on their team because there has to be a fit and the ability to dialogue with each other. And then a final say could be a director and an owner. And really, at that point, they're just saying, you know, nice to meet you, FaceTime, because the decision should have already been made. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And, and, and you know, maybe you get two final candidates to the owner. And, and, you know, then the manager and the owner can say, okay, what's a, you know, which candidate has more to offer um, our company? From there, you should do a written offer letter. People don't do 
you know, contracts, employment contracts, employment agreements. Not no. so not so good. All you're doing because because it's an we're an at will state, right? You can fire, terminate, quit, no cause, anytime. That'll help you a little bit in a lawsuit. So contracts tie you into people. That's why you want to do that. So you do an offer letter that that outlines what you're offering, including their bi-weekly pay or bi-monthly pay or however the pay issue is going to work, the hourly rate, the benefits that you're offering, the day they're starting, that they have to pass a post-offer physical, drug test, all of those things that are important to do prior to hire. And once all that's done, they sign, they start. From there, you need to have some sort of training program or a checklist to follow through on to onboard them correctly. Remember how we go? How we start is how we go. Right. So we, we sometimes we might do a good job hiring and then we hire them a binder and we say, here you go. Here's our SOPs. Here's our procedures. Here's our training manual, whatever. I'm really busy. I got a lot of, so glad you're here. See you later. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. There's the bathroom. You might have done that one too. Pot. Yeah. Yes. There's the bathroom. There's the coffee <laughs> pot. And figure it out. So, you know, you should have at least a couple weeks and work to do. People forget that. Have work for them to do when they start. Day one, something. Yeah, well, and, and you know, that's that's kind of interesting because you're right. People do forget that. It's like, I need a body. I need a body. Get a body in here. And then all of a sudden the body shows up and you don't know what to do with them. That's right. So have a plan for that too. Yeah. It's all about plans. So uh, so let's talk a little bit. I love your statement on boarding. So mm-hmm. most people would understand it as orientation or something, mm-hmm. but a lot of companies don't seem to do much of that anymore. Right. And especially for the small companies that certainly have made that giant leap to bring on that first, second, or 10th employee. Now we're back to why is HR a an important part of the process because it is the process, the onboarding process. What is it they need to know? What do they need to be doing? Mm -hmm. What are you providing for them so they can be what? Successful Mm -hmm. in the beginning. That's right. And in the long term, because retention in our market right now (laughs) with unemployment as low as it is and all these companies like Tesla, the Tesla effect, like coming in, retention is key. If you're going to go to all this effort to get the right person aboard, you need to do as much or more to retain them. Right. And, you know, onboarding, people often go through benefits and, you know, the new hire paperwork. Yes, that's all necessary. But there needs to be a conversation about your culture. Where have you been? Where are you today? Where do you want to go? And how do they fit into that picture? Right. And right away, you've engaged me. Boink. Right? And that's just going to, again, help me stay long term. Well, and also part of the onboarding process is just not for the new employee who's coming in with stress and experience from prior jobs and has a certain understanding of what is expected. But if there are other employees and other people involved, is this the very first day they're meeting them? Or is this, have you engaged some of these other personnel within this hiring process so that when they do show up, they don't feel like the outside stranger walking in? I don't get my net so big that I would have coworkers interviewing. People have done that. They take people to lunch. Do you know me? Do you know me? Because in the interviewing process, you know me? Liability issues mm-hmm. could occur. So yeah, they're probably meeting their teammates on the first day. 
they're they're meeting their supervisor, HR, and the owner prior, but they're meeting their coworkers on the first day. Would be my suggestion. The whole lunch thing or a panel interview with the coworker. Oh, I don't like that. No, I Can't don't mean that. It. But I mean, as part of the onboarding, is there a welcome so everyone can introduce themselves? Or it's like, there's your desk, go to work. If you need something, go find Sally. Oh, don't Where's I don't Sally? have time to tell you who Sally is. <laughs> but, you know, so again, it's when people start job, I don't, you know, I haven't started a new job and I can't even remember the last time. So it's a little hard for me to think about what would it feel like to walk into a brand new company that I just got hired for and be the new person on the block. So there's this company called uh, Sigma and they won a, they won an award uh, for, from Human Resource Magazine, which is, you know, our mm. Bible magazine in HR. And uh, they won an award because instead of doing, you know, when people leave, you, you do goodbye parties, right? They do welcome parties. They have a full-on party day one of all new hires. I like it. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yes. I mean, I'm not talking like, we're talking a daytime thing, not cocktails, and that's a whole nother topic for another day. But, you know, they, they have people write them cards, give them gifts, have balloons, have cake. Everyone comes. Everyone meets them. I think it's a phenomenal idea. Right. Yep. Well, and that makes sense because as we've talked about, A, applying for a job, B, going through one or two or however many interviews your process requires, there's a lot of stress and all of that. And finally, the stress doesn't end for the new hire because now they're walking into an entirely new culture, new people, people they don't even know. And yet, what is the expectation of the business owner or the manager or the supervisor? Get to work, produce Mm -hmm. results. You got 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Show us what you got. That's right. And here's something. You know what? Assume, right? We all know what that means. People assume, managers assume that because I've been a sales clerk at ABC Company, I know how to be a sales clerk at your company. And that is a horrific thought because totally different procedures, processes, expectations, etc. We fail to train. We think they know how. It's a, it's a, that is a nugget of information for people because you do go, hey, you're here. We hired you. You got the job. I'm paying you. Go to work. They don't know how to do it our way. Right. Yeah. Right. So as an HR professional and someone that works with organizations to really help them understand the importance of this function and whether it's internal within your organization or hiring you guys to step in and really get it handled and functional and possibly replace yourselves, mm-hmm. right? That's always our goal. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the training side of all of this, mm-hmm. and I know that you teach through the university you do training within organizations. Let's talk about the fact that a lot of companies, when they cut their budget, they cut training. And that's the worst place to cut. If people don't know how to do their job, you're paying. You're going to pay now, you're going to pay later, you're going to pay more later. Right. And it's another one of those things where people go, oh, training program, so overwhelming, I'm not going to do it. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It can be a checklist can be a checklist of things that you're going to talk to them about and walk them through and and you know you you map it out for 90 days and you just keep checking it off checking off you could take your job description and work from that and use that as a training tool i know business owners I, again you and i are both business owners we are busy so whatever i do with my clients i try to make it as simple as possible or i know they're not going to do it cuz that's human nature And I don't want them to tell me that they don't have time. So I figure out a way to make them time. 
Karen, if somebody wants to reach out to you at the Human Resource Connection, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Calling our office and speaking to our wonderful office coordinator, Mary Lou, and our phone number is 851-2179. Well, we have to go to break. We come back. I'm going to ask you an interesting question, so stick with us. Okay. This is Mike Fossey, Registered Principal at Financial Educators Network in Fort Collins, Colorado, and here in Reno, Nevada. I want to wish everyone listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show a Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Hello, this is Billy Riggs, author of Megatudes and the world's only dis-illusionist. I'm on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. This will be an exciting radio show for anyone in business seeking enchantment, entertainment, empowerment. Don't miss this fantastic radio show. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Hello, I'm Andy Cassidy from Junk King, Reno. The guests are coming to your home for the holidays, but are you ready? We're here to help you. Junk King can help you clear out the spare room or any part of your home that needs rubbish, trash, or junk removed so you can have space you need for your guests. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully licensed and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Let us help you get ready for the holidays. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. This is Karen Jensen. I want to wish everyone listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show a prosperous and beautiful new year in 2016. Thank you, Sherry. If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit SherryHillShow.com. An executive was once asked, what makes a great leader? His answer was, great followers. Although he was being a bit flippant, there was some truth in his answer. Leaders get things done through others, and no matter what a leader does, if followers don't respond, then the leader fails. So successful leaders do have successful followers. As our region grows and responds to the demands of a bigger, brighter, and more productive workforce, a big concern for many existing companies is that all of those wonderful folks you have encouraged trained and worked with will suddenly jump ship and go to work for Tesla or some other new company relocating to Nevada. If 
And when this happens, maybe now is the time to start looking internally for the next manager, supervisor, i.e. those up-and-coming leaders already existing within your organization. My guest, Karen Jensen, is founder and president of the Human Resource Connection. Prior to founding HRC in 2004, she worked in human resources at Fitzgerald's Casino Hotel, Jensen Precast, and IGT. And since 1991, she instructs, facilitates, and develops programs for the University of Nevada, Reno Extended Studies. So Karen, what is your recommendation for me, the business owner, to start thinking about the next evolution of management within my current organization? Crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right there. <laughs> my first thought is, is you need to identify your A players and retain them. I want to be glasses half full. I want to assume you're not going to lose your people. Can we, can we go at it from that yes. standpoint? Okay. The question for me would be, how do I keep my A players? First of all, identify them. Secondly, this is my most favorite thing to say. Managers, your number one job, whether you're the owner, the only manager, the director, whatever, you have people underneath you. You're a leader. Your number one job is to get work done through others. Your number one job is to get work done through others. If your people aren't successful, you're not going to be successful. If you take your people's task list and you put them all in order of all the tasks that they have to get done in one day, okay, and you take your task list, Who's, whose task list is bigger? Y'all can't see the, the uh, visual here. But whose task list is bigger, right? All right. the employees. And so this goes back to and camps on. You don't, have time to, you don't have time to not have time. If you want to retain those A players, when they need you, when they need a tool, when they have a question, when they have a problem, when they don't know how to get something done, when they need training, when they need some feedback, you don't have time to not have time because your number one job is to get work done through others. And if you make those leaders your number one priority over your to-do list, over your emails, over your everything, your clients even... That is how you're going to keep those A players. Right. Because they're not going to jump ship for somebody if somebody's taking care of them and if they are in a position to be successful. Well, and you know this as someone who's been in HR for many, many years, the, the payroll side of what you're paying me is only one tiny portion of why I work for an organization. And while the sexy side of all these companies coming to our region is, oh, we're going to start paying people X amount of dollars, bottom line, you could pay me a million dollars a year, but if I hate coming to work, I'm not coming to work. That's right. And and one of the main reasons that people don't want to come to work is because their employers, we have been taught as managers to focus on what people are not doing right. And we don't take the time to say, hey, Sherry, you... I mean, what they're doing wrong. And we don't take the time to focus on what it is that they're doing right. That's another key to retention. We've been taught, we go around and go, okay, you're making a mistake here. You're making a mistake there. That's not working. This is not working. Of course, when somebody's new, you're doing that more often because it's a training issue. But after that, you should be saying more positives, more encouragement, more that of what they're doing right than they're doing wrong. Because guess what? They are doing more right than they're doing wrong, or they shouldn't be at your place of employment, and they should be released back into the community. Right. Well, and people leave 
people. They don't leave a company. That's right. So if there's a lot of turnover or a lot of, you know, hearty discussions around job performance and all of that, then oftentimes you have to look more internal as to who's leading these people Or is there a breakdown in the system or the process that needs to be addressed? And that's some of the work that you do to help really companies understand that it's not just, you know, checklists and paperwork. There's the whole human side of how to really engage your people and all of that. And so that's really kind of the message, you know, because we hear it on the wind out there. Oh, I'm so worried that... And trust me, there are already people in your organization that are interviewing and you don't even know about it at Tesla and some of these organizations. Yep. We know that's happening. Mm -hmm. However, when they come back home to your place of business, they're going to weigh a lot of these other factors than just, oh, they're going to pay me $3 more an hour. That's right. And there's study after study after study, Sherry, that money it is. Uh, it can be a dissatisfier if you're not paid well, but it's just a satisfier. People don't come to work every day going, "Oh yeah, you know, I make a hundred thousand, so I'm at, or ten thousand or ten dollars, whatever." They don't. They don't come to work and say that I'm making this much money, so I'm going to do this good of a job. They come to work, go and do a good job because there is something intrinsic in your culture that makes them feel good about themselves. That's why. And people's number one need, and this is the study after study mm-hmm. after study is need for recognition. That's their number one need. They need you to say, hey, I'm t- you're great. I appreciate you. I value you. Those words worth a million bucks. Absolutely. And so, you know, when people think about, you know, as we've talked about the hiring process and, and really now it's a lot about retention and making sure that you are taking care of your people in pay and benefits and, you know, the huge shift in how businesses are operating today, benefit corporations and all of that, where everyone wants transparency and the authentic self and all these things going on. That's true. And it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm your employee, I want to know what the heck's going on. I want to be part of the dream and the vision and the Mm -hmm. mission and not just told to go over there and and punch a button every hour. Right. And so it goes back to what we were talking about with on boarding and you say where you've been, where you are, and where you're going to be, and this is where you, Sherry, fit into our puzzle, that is what drives people to stay engaged because they know they want a purpose. We spend more time at work than we do with our families and at home and doing, you know, our social things. We do more time at work. So we need to feel like we're valued and we're integral and we're part of the success we don't feel that way and we're disconnected, it's like any relationship, we're out. Exactly. Right? right? Exactly. Um, one of the ways that we can keep people engaged, and, and I find this is a, another common theme I've seen over the years, is, is having regular conversations, otherwise known as meetings or huddles. Uh, and, you know, they don't have to be these extensive meet to meet because people can't stand that. That's why, you know, I say conversations. But we forget to have scheduled time. To actually sit down and go, so Mary Lou, how's it going? What do you need more from me? What's not working? Where are you at? Do you have questions? Do you have problems? People need to know that they can, your butt's going to be in a seat to look them in the eyes, focus on them and help them be successful. So some sort of meeting. I, li- I like to call them huddles. I like, I encourage my clients to have a weekly get together, uh, you know, have an agenda. I mean, there's a whole bunch of 
again, and you know, whole slew of checklists to do proper meetings, but meetings are important. Right. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's about communication. It's the mm-hmm. communication within the, the meeting, meeting. Right. The gathering. Right. So That's right. So Karen, very quickly, I know you put on a lot of uh, programs and, you know, ways that people can come and learn more about how to be more effective in their business. Tell us quickly about those. So uh, we have what we call Break to Educates, and we typically do them uh, once a month. Our next one is coming up is on January 14th, 1130 to 1. And it is literally like high-powered, just training, like just that's it. That's what we do for an hour and a half, and I answer questions. The one on January 14th is going to be about auditing I-9 forms and what the heck is an I-9 form. And, you know, for those of you who don't know what that is and you have employees, you better come to our break to educate on January 14th at 1130. Right. <laughs> well, and so anyone that wants to get on your email list to find out what these monthly classes are or to find out what you're doing up at UNR, is there a website that you want to direct them to? Sure. So our website is thehumanresourceconnection.com. Awesome. Well, Mm -hmm. Karen, thank you for being here. I've always learned a ton from you and love when we can communicate and interact and certainly help me as a business owner and our listeners to really do this right because you and I both know that if we do it right, we do it right from the start, we actually put more money on our pocket than take Take it it out. That's right. Pay now, pay later, or pay more later. So let's get it right. Build that good foundation out there. Thanks for having me, Sherry. It's been awesome. Great. All right. We'll catch up next week. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station. For the Sherry Hill Show. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Hello, I'm Andy Cassidy from Junk King, Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you call us, Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather or haul all your stuff to the curb. We can pick it up from your home and haul it away quickly. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully licensed and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. 